want the Big Ten championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. With uh, myself, Hershley Nick Baumgartner, along with Austin Meek. Uh, Austin, we're post-Army. This is our uh, free show for everyone to listen to, including uh, maybe uh, possibly a head football coach that lives in Ann Arbor. I don't know. Hey! Wasn't, he wasn't clear on which one he listens to or which... I've had like 100 podcasts in the last couple of years, but maybe it's this one. <laughs> well, we love uh, we love all of our listeners, of every single one of them. Um, everywhere we go, somebody's just saying, "I, I listen to your podcast." <laughs> it just it makes you makes you feel good inside. Literally doesn't it? everywhere we go now, including uh, the post game press conference. But in any event, Michigan uh, gets by. I guess we'll say uh, Army 24-21, double overtime. My God, for those for the subscribers who listen to Thursday's show, and if you haven't subscribed, please do so on The Athletic and subscribe to this on iTunes. Give us a rating as well. We talked, Austin, in detail mm-hmm. on Thursday about what Army did to Oklahoma last year, scaring the hell out of the Sooners uh, in an overtime game. I think that ended up 28-21, and yes. it was that crazy box yes. score we talked about. And we said, hey, this can happen again. It doesn't take much. And the mm-hmm. one thing we said was, the last thing you can do is fumble the ball or turn it over. And yep. It was like the first, second drive, first drive of the game, and away we go. So yeah, when we talked about the the Army matchup last week, you know, it's interesting that you can talk about how terrifying Army is, mm-hmm. and then still convince yourself that well, this isn't actually going to happen. I think that's where I was. Is we looked at that Oklahoma game, we realized that 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 Army offense is a you know a totally different matchup than anything else you're going to see all season. But I I had still kind of convinced myself. Uh, that Michigan was going to win that game comfortably. And so then when it turns into that classic Army game, yeah. uh, where it's just tooth and nail the whole way, at, at some level we should have seen it coming. But I think you know, I, I think the difference, and I talked about this with Andy Staples on, on Andy's podcast, uh, Army really played a, a, a flawless game against Oklahoma yes. last season. Army did not play a flawless game at all. Uh, against Michigan, and and we can really look back at a few mistakes that Army made, uh, including the interception at, at the goal line. They had another fumble uh, that probably should have been a Michigan touchdown. Uh, I think Michigan can feel a really fortunate to win that game, and also be a little bit concerned that it's not like Army just came in and and, and played lights out. Uh, Army made some mistakes and still was was in position to win that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked to Don Brown on Monday, and you know, he kind of mentioned the uh, false start they had on the goal line that I think he was trying to take a little credit for because he said they bluffed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. That false start on the goal line, yeah, like changed. I think it was in the third quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Changes the whole game because if uh, the next play they draw, they decide to drop back and throw it, and of course it's intercepted. And anytime Arnie drops back and throws it, it's an adventure. But if they score there and it goes twenty-one-seven. I gotta tell yeah, you, I, I think, think that's that lights it. out. Yeah. I think that that would have been the game. I, I don't know if, you know, it took everything they had and mm-hmm. some penalties to get in the end zone to tie it. Yeah, and it was just yeah. yeah. Was Even if Army kicks the field goal there, yeah, seventeen right. to seven, just points. Uh, yeah. I, you know, Michigan's touchdown to tie the game came directly after that interception. I think yep. that interception was the little spark that Michigan needed to get its offense going just enough to tie the game and get into overtime. But even if it's seventeen seven there. I'm not sure Michigan comes back and scores 10 points uh, in the third and fourth quarter to get that thing to overtime. And that's and that's even that next drive we, we talked about. They get, that's the one where they got the uh, pass interference mm-hmm. on third and long and Eagle yeah. Collins where 
I mean, good idea, right? Throw it downfield and, and you get the call. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, even then it was just this, yeah, like you said, just dragging yourself through you know, frustration and everything else. And all of a sudden, it, the, the further that game went, you fumbled the ball three times in the first half. And the further along things went, the tighter Michigan got offensively. Um, the tighter they got in terms of mistakes they were making, the tighter they got in terms of play calling, the tighter, yeah. I mean, and everything. Just total conservatism across the board. They stopped being aggressive. Um, and I don't know what the end-all explanation of as to why that happened. That's why I asked after the game, yeah. was it pass protection issues? Because some of those fumbles that we've talked about, or what we can talk about in a second here, I mean, a lot of those were pass protection situations. The first two especially were... Obviously, Patterson has to hang on the ball when he's hit on the first play. The second play, he's blindsided, and they're both botched protections where, you know, you're like, okay, do we trust ourselves here now? All of a sudden, Ryan Hayes looking like a Richard freshman today <laughs> yeah. instead of a veteran. Uh, the backs weren't obviously as clean either. Uh, so it's like, do you trust yourself to stand in the pocket, or do you, would you rather just run it? And, um, yeah, they got conservative, and, and Army kind of knew what they were going to do, and it was pretty obvious and clear when you start doing that which is what we praised Josh Gaddis for last week. No right. tendencies, yeah. no repeats, and then this week was a lot of repeats and really kind of looked like you were scared to do anything else. Yeah, I think the surprising thing is that the one thing we said last week with, with Josh Gaddis's offense is it's not going to be predictable, and then it kind of got predictable. Yes. And that's the thing that, that is really hard to understand about what happened in the second half. And I think the question that you asked in the postgame was the question that everybody yeah. was asking coming out of that game is, why did Michigan get so conservative in the second half? And there, I still don't really think there's been a good answer for that. I still don't think I know. Like, Shea Patterson is kind of hurt, but not yeah. really hurt. And if he is hurt, it didn't have anything to do with his reads in, yeah. in the running game. Well, okay, so, like, what, what was it? I still don't think, you know, three days later, I have no. a great handle on what exactly happened in that second half. I mean, there's two topics to explore. You mentioned them both. The reads, number one, um, are just a mystery at this point. I mean, they're either they're either just underselling for the sake of protecting him, protecting Patterson from further whatever that he's hurt and he and they don't want him taking extra hits, or he's just making horrible reads. It's really one of the two, and they haven't really said one way or the other. They're not obviously not going to roll on him and say he's making terrible reads. Although Josh Gaddis did today he say hinted at that, at that some, some of those of them, need yeah. to be pulled. Uh, although I do have to think, I have to think that it's, what, an oblique or ribs or whatever. Yeah. That is playing a factor in, you know, please don't take any unnecessary hits if we don't have to. We think we can run the ball between the tackles in this game. But, I mean, it got into the third quarter, and you're saying, you know, there's grass every time on these on these inside zone plays with the uh, the tight end coming around on the arc play and everything else. And even when Dylan McCaffrey got in, mm-hmm. the first one, he gave it. I thought for sure. The one where Patterson, so they do one, like, cute quarterback power with him. And he goes down and he's cramping, or maybe it was another flare-up of the oblique thing or something. Mm-hmm. And obviously he doesn't look well, right? So he's you get him out of the game, and I say, okay, well, we bring McCaffrey in. Uh, it's third and short. Clearly they're just going to run that arc read play, and he's going to keep the ball around the corner, and he's going to score a touchdown because it was that open. And then he gives the ball. <laughs> yeah. just like, all right, well, uh, maybe it's not going to happen. And then the next play, Army just sells out. and I mean, Maybe that was the play. They sold out on everything, and there's nothing you can do. So those were weird. Uh, those were a little weird last week, too, and, and we kind of talked about that, that against Middle Tennessee, they left a lot on the table in those plays, maybe not trying to get Patterson hit. I don't know. Um, those are things that if, if he's truly just missing those reads, and of course you have to work on that, 
this week along with his ball handling. But the second part of that, Nico Collins has three targets the whole game. Uh, Gaddis talked quite a bit to quite a bit today about you know you're missing guys that are open, uh, some throws that are missed, some drops, um, a little bit of everything, and it just all comes down to for me it's. I don't know if this offense knows what it wants to be yet. I don't know if they found their foundation or their identity. I don't know if it's fair of us to ask that of them through two weeks. Um, and maybe that third week by is uh, a really good thing because they really seem like they have a lot of work to do on maybe filtering down and tunneling in on, here's what we do well, here's what we don't do well, let's start to build outward from there. Yeah, it was almost as if, Josh Gaddis uh, and, and Jim Harbaugh heard the, you know, the the criticism after the first game of you know you guys tried to do so much stuff and it was hard to figure out like a coherent identity. Listening <laughs> to the podcast, maybe so. It's almost <laughs> like they said, "Okay, well, you guys said we did too much stuff, yeah. so we're just going to do one thing." Uh, unfortunately, that one thing. I mean, hey, they won the game uh, yeah. and they didn't turn it over in the second half. So you know, there are some things that you can that things that can be said for how they approached it. Uh, but they kind of veered from being all over the place to being very overly simplistic. Right. Uh, and you're right that you know it is so early. Like we've seen Josh Gaddis call two games, uh, and it is unfair in a way to make judgments or assessments with such a small sample size. But you know the other part of it, and I'm I'm writing about this right now. You look around the country. Uh, you look at a program like LSU. Oh. So they bring in Joe Brady, uh, who was with the Saints. And before that, he was at Penn State with James Franklin and Josh Gaddis. He's been there two games. Their quarterback threw for 470 yards uh, in, a, in a huge game on the road against a top 15 opponent. Uh, and you look at a team like Maryland that hired Mike Loxley, who was with Josh Gaddis at Alabama. Uh, look, it's it's really hard and in a way unfair to make these comparisons after two games. But the thing with Josh Gaddis is Michigan didn't hire Josh Gaddis thinking, okay, by 2021, we're going to have a really good offense. Michigan hired Josh Gaddis because Michigan felt like they had a team right now that could win the Big Ten uh, and and could get to the college football playoff. And the thing that was going to push them over the top was having a guy to run this offense uh, and to put them on par with the more explosive teams in college football. So I think it's fair to say at this point, some teams, you see that happening already through two games, but we haven't seen that yet with Michigan. Yeah, and to take advantage, hiring him, like all, all great points. Also, I would add, hiring him to take advantage of the skill players you have right now on your roster, mm-hmm. one of which is a six foot four, 200-some-pound guy who I said during the game, there's not a person in the uh, United States military that can cover Nico Collins. I mean, I understand that most pass plays, uh, they're not always designed for one guy to get the ball. That's really not how this works. Uh, everyone has their own route, and there's different reads and everything else. But there are things you can dial up for certain people, and and I and they did at times, and Patterson, I think, missed him in the end zone once. They got the pass interference call. But it still resulted in three targets. I think for the whole. I think that's what it finished at for the whole game. Uh, three, three targets, hmm. which is just seven or eight too few, I would think, at the end of it. I mean, it's just, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and then the other thing I go back on is, is Patterson obviously doesn't look right with, with uh, something's bothering him, uh, it has to be. The fumble stuff is almost inexplicable. He was very good at that last year. He was bad at that at Ole Miss, 
And then last year he was terrific at fixing all the loose ball stuff um, and really played within himself and did a really good job. Maybe he's trying to do too much too fast. Maybe that's part of it too because he has pushed the ball a few times, um, you know, on, on plays where – you know, you make a you, you make a throw. I think he had Ronnie Bell maybe on one. Yeah. Or he had a dive. It was like if that ball lofted yeah. a little bit more in, it's mm-hmm. probably a touchdown. Um, you know, so that's and that's one where if you're Gaddis, and we ask you people are people are asking you all these questions. Why didn't this work? And he's and he's sitting there saying it did. Like, yeah. Some of it the, did. Yeah. You get a guy because, open by five yards. Yeah. Like, that's the a offensive touchdown. coordinator. Yeah. You that is a touchdown. Okay that is like that. the haunting thing of all offensive. We used to talk to. El Borges all the time, hmm. and he was always a pretty comical guy, and he would say that a lot. He's like, look, guys, that play that I schemed up that you guys were complaining about, we would have scored if yeah. you don't like throw, you know. So there's a couple of those, and, and there was one that was high to Nico Collins, I think, in the end zone. Maybe that was an overtime. I can't remember when it was, but uh, some of that stuff, to Gaddis's point, it's there. you got to make the play, and um, you know, if it's a physical situation with Patterson right now, I don't think he's playing horrible football. No. I don't think he's deserving of some of the, the flack that he's getting from people but I think he can I think he can play better and I think that that's kind of the thing where if he's frustrated that's probably where it is because I think he can play better I think he knows that I think Michigan knows that because I don't think we've seen his best I mean close to, no. to what the best of Shea Patterson can be uh not the season anyway I think the theory that holds it all together is is the idea that one way or another Shea Patterson is not a hundred percent maybe he had the green light to run as much as he wanted to uh, but I've got to think if if you're not a hundred percent, at least that's in the back of your mind when you're making that decision yeah. whether to pull it or or give it. And the same with you know when he's throwing the ball down the field. One thing we saw uh, quite a bit in that game was you know when, when he when he did have the opportunity to stand in the pocket and make a throw down the field, a lot of times he was taken off and and yeah. scrambling. Uh, and I think it's just one of those things where you know, it, it starts to cascade in on itself a little bit. Is You've got two freshman tackles, yep. so you start to get a little bit of pressure. And Shea Patterson he's is already up, yeah. you know already a little bit antsy because he's not 100%. And so then you know, he's, he's, he's taken off at the first sign of pressure. And it's just all those things going on, I think, knocked this offense off their rhythm. And it just got to the point where, where they were like, Okay, we're just going to run it with Charbonnet here, yeah. because the other stuff we're trying to do is not working. That was the classic case of let's just get out of here. Yeah. Let's just get out of here and and go, you know, take the night off and then come back tomorrow <laughs> and figure out how to fix it. Because I mean, Army at some point during the game, maybe that was the plan all along. Uh, Gaddis said this again today too. They blitzed and brought pressure almost the entire time. It was eighty-five percent, something like that. I think is what he said, which seems accurate if you, from what we remember yeah. watching on Saturday. I mean, they crashed hard. Every time it was a, a, a passing down or a passing situation, they brought someone, um, got the running backs crossed up, got the tackles crossed up. The pocket never seemed totally clean. And times where it did seem clean, you're right, Patterson was getting out of there. Um, you know, so it's interesting, um, but it did seem like, yeah, everything kind of narrowed. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people focused on certain areas of the game, like the fourth down calls in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. the two fourth and twos that they missed. Not going for going for it instead of instead of kicking the field goal and going for it near midfield. Uh, I kind of understood the idea of going for it both times. Yeah. I thought that that was good. I, I think people were like, "What are what are these analytics?" And I'm like, I, "I think that that's probably right." Um, it's just the call that you made in those situations were were bad. Mm-hmm. And so with the way Gaddis explained it was that's a dis- discussion they have during that series where Harbaugh basically says, "Look." 
uh, if it's fourth and three or less, we're going to go for it. Do you have something that you think is going to work on fourth and three or less before it comes to that? Yeah. He says yes. It gets to that. He calls the play that he wants, and it's just not. It just doesn't work. And so that's what that kind of happened there. Yeah. The, you know, the second fourth and two I had no problem going for that one. You're oh, like, of course, yes. A little bit outside of field goal range. And there's and they're like not two, moving the ball. Yeah, yet. there's like right. two and a half minutes left in the game. You get a first down there, you're maybe one first down away yeah. from kicking the field goal with no time left to win the game. So I totally get that one. The one before I thought was kind of borderline just because Tough one, yeah. you've got a 36-yard field goal. I think there was about seven, eight minutes yep. left in the game. As you said, Army hadn't been moving the ball. So you kick the field goal there, you take the lead, and Army's got to, you know, Basically, Army has one possession oh, yeah. to go That's try it. to score with a, a freshman kicker who we learned later had like a groin injury, and Army's kicking situation was kind of a mess. So that's one where I might have kicked it and put the pressure on Army mm-hmm. to have to go down and score. Um, you know, because like with the with the analytics, I think it's it's one thing if you're in a game where it's like 35 to 35, yeah. and you know that the other team is going to go score if you give them seven minutes, or yeah. even if you give them two minutes. Uh, that was a game where it's like 14-14. Army wasn't really moving the ball. If you if you can take the lead there, you put put a lot of pressure on them. But, but it's one of those things where it's kind of a 50-50 call. Yes. If, if it doesn't work, it looks bad, but that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Yeah, that was a tough one, because it was like, I, I'm sure that, I don't know what the percentages panned out on that one, but it... It was probably barely yes, and not, and I would think that the second one was probably overwhelmingly mm-hmm. yes. That one made all the sense in the world, and that, yeah. like you said, they're not a two-minute offense. But the bigger point there is, I believe the first one was the uh, McCaffrey situation, I think, or maybe uh, where he comes in the game. Yeah, which was the one. They, there was one where uh, Charbonnet just gets buried. And like they've got the two the backs. One. Yeah, they've got so the two backs and the, Charbonnet. The first just, one was McCaffrey situation yeah. where what they did. I mean, Army sold out and knew that he wasn't pulling the ball anyway. So he, 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 they sold out and and made the play. And the second one, the second one looked like a a cross wire situation. It looked like they were tri- like half the team was running one thing and half the team was running something else. It looked mm, like they didn't yeah. know. Because, I mean, they were, I don't know what that was even supposed to be. That was very weird. So it comes down to, you know, weird play call and, I guess, poorly executed or poorly relayed, one of the two, in both those spots. And sort of a microcosm of the entire game because it's, you know, a lot of things were done the way that you would normally do them. And then you get yourself into a spot where you got to make a play and somebody fumbles or somebody does something dumb or somebody jumps off sides or... A grounding penalty that ends up being, you know, now you got to kick a 55-yard field goal that's missed and all these other things like that. So um, a lot of errors from all areas, I would say. Um, but again, I don't think it's time to bang the gong and sound the alarm and find, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just start panicking. I, yeah. It's two weeks. I mean, yeah. it's like I wrote about Michigan State last week, <clears throat> and, and they had claimed all offseason that they were going to change their offense, and then they didn't. And then, of course, at that point, it was like, okay, that might be a problem because yeah. they went 12, 13 games last year with all these issues. So then they come back the following week and change everything. And not mm-hmm. change everything, but change enough to where, it, okay, now it makes sense. So not early enough to sound the alarm, not early enough in week two to sound the alarm, but Michigan now is a week off and now you got to go play at Madison, in Madison. Uh, and you have no more cupcakes, no more built-in gimmies, and now they all count for real now. I mean, you, you could have lost that Army game and still won the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, this now, you know, is a different situation. You go on the road against the Badgers, and uh, they look really, really good. So, fumble the ball in that game a couple times, and you're not winning. I mean, that's just the, mm-hmm. at this point, that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I think the thing that we're talking about here, 
because it, it it is easy uh, on one hand, and I guess low hanging fruit as Jim Harbaugh <laughs> would say, the week, yeah. yeah, to you know to look at something that that either of worked course. or didn't work and right. say, well, it, it didn't work, so it was a bad decision. Right, but yeah. but I, I think what we're trying to get at is it's a lot more about the process yeah. that goes into it. And you know, the reason we, we sit there and do those post-game press conferences is because you, know, you genuinely do want to just understand, like, what is what is the thought process there? And, you know, I, I've, I've been there a million times, you know, not here, but in other, mm-hmm. other places I've been, like, it's hard to, in the heat of the moment, you know, get the coach sometimes to really just reflect and say, you know, well, here's our thought process. Here's what we were trying yeah. to accomplish. Because in the moment, sometimes it sounds like he's getting second guessed. When really, all, all you want is just to know, hey, seriously, yeah, like what what yeah. were you thinking there? Uh, and, you know, we talked to Don Brown. Uh, we just got done talking to Don Brown for like 20 minutes. I think I learned like. 10 things about football (laughs) in that 20 minutes that we talked to Don Brown. It was great. It just made me think like, why don't we talk to Don Brown every week? (laughs) Like Like if Don Brown had been there after the game, like seriously, there were things about that game that I didn't understand watching it that when you talk to him, you're like, oh, that completely makes sense. And I think that's one area where schools do themselves a disservice uh, you know, and I'll give Michigan credit that at least they do yep. make the assistance available. I've been to yep. places where they don't. they don't. I always thought it was a disservice to the assistant coaches and to the fans yep. not to do that. So Michigan does do that. Uh, but man, I wish we could talk to Don Brown every week because <laughs> that guy's I great. I learned I a ton amazing. talking to him. And that's a good segue because defensively, uh, Michigan, I mean, he was very happy with, with how they performed. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we can mince words on that one. He was... It was survival mode, and I think when you look at it, they ended up giving up 243 yards, which I think he said was the fewest they've given up since 15. Yeah, it was like the fewest uh, yards per play and yards per rush uh, for uh, for Army since yeah. 2015. Which is notable because um, Jeff Monken's program, am I saying his name right, Monk? Is that how yeah, you say it? Yeah, yeah, His program really didn't start to take off until right around then. Yeah, they were so, like 2-10 in 2015, yeah. so and he then took the next over year. Yeah. a mess, yeah. and they were not very good. And then suddenly, you know, the last couple of years, they've gotten it going. So basically, Michigan held Army to its lowest output since he's gotten things going, yeah. uh, which is exactly what they did to Air Force when they played Air Force a couple years ago. They held them to their lowest output in like five years. And, you know, that's why I, I think we both kind of thought going into this game – uh, they're probably going to be fine because defensively he has a plan and he knows mm-hmm. how to do this. It's terrifying yeah. for him, of course. He's sweating that game out as much as any other game or more than most on the schedule. Uh, but all things considered, um, can't I can't find a lot of fault with how no. they played him. I mean, defensively, I mean, that's uh, basically you held him 14 in regulation. That's pretty good. Yeah, you look back at that game, so they probably should have had a defensive touchdown yeah. on the Josh yeah. Metellus fumble yep. recovery. Uh and then, you know, the interception at the goal line changed the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Army ran 61 running plays. Yep. Uh, only one of them went for 10 yards or more. I mean, that's, you know, and granted, Army is like the team that just wants to get do. three yards, yep. you know, three yards to carry or whatever. But they, but do, they do get, some, yeah, yeah, they do get explosive yeah. plays in the running game. They didn't get any uh, in this game. And then you know, in, in the overtime, the second overtime, that was just a case of, of Michigan's defensive line just kind of taken over. You know, yep. Aiden Hutchinson gets in and Oof. stuffs the play on second down, which during the game we kept talking about second down was like the killer for Michigan because you know, they they make a play on first down and it's like second and eight or whatever, 
But then every time it's second and eight, Army comes back and gets five or six yards and puts it in third and short. So they make a big play on second down uh, in double overtime. And then they get the pressure uh, on third down. They force him to throw. They get pressure on the quarterback. They force the fumble. You know, I think it did kind of get lost because everybody's looking at the score and saying, oh my God, how did Michigan end up (laughs) in this situation? But defensively, you got to give them some credit because Army is a really tough team to defend. uh, And Michigan's defense won that game. That's what it comes down to. And they only had the ball. I mean, the time of possession ended up being just about even, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, the way Michigan's defense uh, was able to handle that. Uche, I thought, was great. Um, An extended... uh, Brown said today... That he kind of challenged him before the game and said, you know, you talk to me all the time about how you want to be an every-down player. We're going to find out today if if you can do that. I I didn't follow up and ask. I got to think that he I found got. out that Josh Uche is mm-hmm. a every-down player. Uh, they got Jordan Anthony in there to play for Josh Ross, and he played really well in the second half. And then the play you mentioned, Hutchinson on that second-down play. Uh, play. Of the, I mean, Levert Hill's interception, of course, part of play of the game there, but Hutchinson making a play on that is just... That was their first TFL of the game. Army yeah. never gives up tackles for loss because if you watch them play, how would you give up tackles for loss? The, the offense is literally designed to <laughs> never do that. So it's so hard to get something like that. And for him, uh, that's a complete individual effort on his part. I mean, he just shook the center, got in mm-hmm. there, and made a play and did it in such a fast and physical ma- manner that you know, the quarterback wasn't able to get that ball out or pitch it or whatever. So super impressive the way that they finished. Uh, in a game that they were tested with high-pressure stakes. Every time they were on the field, they had to make sure they kept them out because the offense really wasn't having it. So um, defensively, I know I had a lot of people yelling, what's wrong with this defense? Again, I would tell you, I think you probably need to spend more time watching these games and and less time yelling about them because if you, <laughs> whenever you go back and look at it, you tell yourself, like, I mean, they gave up less than 250 to a team that, if you're not careful, can put up 600 something on you mm-hmm. in a blink of an eye. Yeah, I mean they do rip off those little uh, counter, those pitch plays, or they or they run one down the line and they get a good read on somebody and somebody misses a gap and it's yeah. 45 yards of the fullback and you can't even see them. I mean it's just out of nowhere or they or they pull the ball out and they hit somebody on, a, on like a flanker or something like that. So um, it's really hard to defend them. And all things considered, yeah, the defense won the game. And I think that played pretty well. Uh, I don't know how that translates going forward into into Wisconsin, it's going to be a different situation, but it seems like they're getting more close to the. These are our eleven that we want to play, right? Yeah, and, and maybe that's maybe that's good for them going forward. Yeah, that that was one interesting thing about that game that Don Brown alluded to was how much of that game they spent in a three man front, which yeah. I think was the thing that that we'd been waiting to see from from that defense is you know, what did they look like if yep. they go out there in a three man front with with Josh Uche coming off the edge. I kind of got the impression from Don Brown, and I don't know if you got the same impression. That he was saying, like, you know, this is what we did against this offense. Yeah. This is not necessarily like us saying, oh, this is this this is our best look. It was yeah. kind of tailored to uh, the Army offense, which is totally different than anything else they'll face. But at least I thought it was notable uh, that they showed that look for most of the game against Army, and it was it was really effective. I mean, they're faster. I mean, that's they're faster than they are stronger right now. Mm-hmm. I think you know they they lost the big speed on defense from. You know, Rashawn Gary's not there anymore. Winovich isn't there anymore. Uh, and Devin Bush wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but my God, was he fast. Yeah. So, but he had some thump to him as well. So you've lost some of your, your big speed players, and you're replacing them with guys who can run. And um, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see them attack more of this. I mean, if you line up against certain teams with that 3-3-5, it can mess with them. I mean, it, it can be a problem. It can be something they have trouble running against. Uh, as long as you've got guys who can fill 
uh, in space and bring something with them along with that speed and not just get run over, uh, it can work out. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he did bristle at the notion that uh, they don't have enough bulk inside uh, against bigger teams, you know, along the likes of Ben Mason or, or Donovan Jeter. I guess we'll see if he plays more. But um, that would still be a question mark for me is, is how he stack up. We'll get into more of that, I'm sure, later. But how that stacks up against Wisconsin. But all in all, I mean, Hutchinson was awesome. I thought Uche was really, really good. Josh Ross had like nine tackles in the half, and then mm-hmm. he got hurt. And yeah. Anthony came in and played really well for him, too. Jordan Glasgow keeps making plays. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't find much defensively that I would have said, boy, that was a disaster. You know, like it just yeah. didn't didn't happen. So uh, second time in four years they played a triple option team and did more than enough to win the game. Uh, just this time the offense nearly uh, gave it away. Yeah. All right, last thing, and we'll get out of here. Uh, it's only been two games, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, we've seen Michigan slip down the poles a little bit while a bunch of teams that Michigan is going to play yeah. uh, have looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin has looked really good. Ohio State has looked really good. Iowa has looked really good. They have Iowa State this weekend. Are we... Are we confident in Michigan still having the uh, the mantle of Big Ten favorite right now, or through two games, are yeah. we are we hedging a little bit on that now and saying, eh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna hedge know. on your question and say I don't know, but I mean, like, because I, I think that it, it depends on um, if Patterson starts playing like a, like mm-hmm. a healthy senior quarterback. If if that happens. Then yes, I'm 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 firmly in that in that camp because I, I think that the offense at some I mean at some point it's got to start taking advantage of and then then that'll be the whole tell of the season right where yeah. Patterson's got to play like a senior quarterback and Josh Gaddis has got to make sure that the playmakers get the ball if if one of those things doesn't happen then no they're not winning the league I mean that's just reality if you go through a game on the road in the Big Ten or against one of those teams you just mentioned uh, and Nico Collins has barely touched the ball you deserve to lose I mean that's just that's just stupid. I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. I mean, people could call that low hanging fruit all they want, but that's <laughs> that's not that's not winning football. He is too good of a mm-hmm. player to just ignore. And I know that you're not ignoring him because in certain situations the ball maybe it, it looked like it should have gone somewhere else. But I mean, three is not enough. It mm-hmm. needs. I mean, it needs needed to be a concerted effort. I felt like in the second half of that, where you go in at halftime, you say, "Why, wow, geez, we haven't gotten this guy the ball at all. We gotta we gotta fix this." And and that's one thing. I mean, I, I do think Donovan Peoples-Jones coming back will certainly help them a lot uh, if and when they get him back. John Runyon will probably help too. But um, it depends on those two. It depends on how you're going to call the game and if your quarterback can get himself rounded back into the guy that we saw when they were clicking last year. I mean, he had really good performances last year in a lot of mm-hmm. different areas and um, was very steady. And steady is not what he's been. in the mm-hmm. last. I don't think he's been bad, but he has not been steady. And uh, the guy we watched last year was for the most part, with rare exceptions, a pretty steady football player and the reason why they won 10 in a row and all those things. So if he can get back to that, yes, I still like him as the, as the league favorite. But uh, if not, then it's going to be tough. Yeah, you're right. The, the prediction of Michigan winning the Big Ten was predicated on this offense taking a big step forward under Josh Gaddis, which it still absolutely could do. Yep. It just hasn't done it yet. Uh, and I think what we've seen is that needs to happen <laughs> because yes, if it yes, doesn't, it does. this looks. You know, th- I'll be honest. The team we've seen right now looks like about an eight and five team. Yeah, they could end up being a ten and two team. They could end up being eleven and one. Yeah, twelve and zero, oh, whatever. Uh, but they're not that right now. Right, wide range. Uh, but again, it's it's interesting because this is the year where you get two buys. 
Uh, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I guess we'll find out. For me, I almost feel like it would maybe it's even better if they'd have just gotten to go out and play this week at Wisconsin. And yeah. but maybe they have more time to think about it. Maybe you got more time to heal guys up. So maybe that is for the best. Uh, I suppose we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, hey, thanks again to all of our uh, listeners. This was our free show for the week. We will be back on Thursday with our subscriber-only show. So uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the RPM podcast on iTunes. Uh, rate us and check out the, uh, the show on Thursday. Till then, thanks to Nick. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.